Hello and welcome to a very special episode of One Week at a Time, a Box Hill Hawks podcast. My name is Sean Peter Budge and we're brought to you by the wonderful folks at Budget Car and Truck Rental as always. This week, the Box Hill Hawks are celebrating the 10th anniversary of our 2013 flag. And to mark the occasion, we've got a wonderful chat lined up with our premiership coach from that day, Damien Carroll. We're going to have a talk about his time with Hawthorne and of course, his three years at Box Hill, his recollections of the season and grand final day itself and what he's doing with himself currently. DC, David Mirror and more of our premiership heroes will be at City Oval prior to Saturday's midday matchup with the Brisbane Lions. Uh, so that's something to look forward to. So without further delay, here's one week at a time's chat with Damien Carroll. So I'm joined by Premiership coach Damien Carroll. Thanks so much for your time, DC. It's a real pleasure to be chatting with you today. We'll have a talk about your time in footy, your time with us, the flag, of course. So we might play a bit fast and loose with the timeline from time to time, but bear with me. First question, 10 years removed from the 2013 flag with Box Hill. What are you doing with yourself now? Yeah, so I'm currently at the Saints now, so head of development there, working a lot with our younger players, um, find it very rewarding and it's great to be still involved with football. Um, I think I've been in the AFL system, I think coming into my 13th year now, so I've been very priv- privileged to to work at uh, three different clubs and, and met some great people along the way and, and thoroughly enjoying my time here and um, yeah, really rewarding working with the younger players at the, at the Saints. I suppose your footy trajectory, your uh, Gippsland Power before Box Hill. Yep. Went into the Hawthorne system, of course, via the academy and the senior setup. Um, a development role with Collingwood, now a similar role with St Kilda, as you just touched on. It's obviously an area that you're enormously passionate about. What about it is most rewarding? Yeah, I think just seeing young players uh, try and achieve their goals and improve and, and work on things that they need to get better at to, to make AFL and then to finally make it. But even the ones that don't make it or have long careers, um, just working with them and, and seeing them grow as, as young men is, is hugely rewarding. It's it's different every day as well. You're working with different players and on different things, um, preparing different presentations to sort of, you know, give to the players as well to, to try and educate them on um, areas of the game or, um, you know, even lifestyle sort of personal choices. So, um, yeah, I really love the fact that it's, it's different every day when you come to work and um, you're working with people who are, uh, are very focused on on getting better in certain areas. So um, yeah, I really love that part. I um, yeah, it's sort of it, it's been great to get back into the development side um, after doing a few other roles in football as well. Going back in time, the Box Hill opportunity itself, and to be senior coach of the Box Hill Hawks, your first year, obviously 2011. How did that opportunity come about? Yeah, that was um, created probably through the the Gippsland Power years that I was there, two years and. After the first year, I had a couple of phone calls from AFL clubs, but I thought I needed another year um, in that system because I'd coached at local level, but um, I'd really only had – that was my second year of not being a playing coach. So um, I felt I'd need a little bit more experience and, um, yeah, we were living in Warrigal at the time. And uh, then after that second year, had a few phone calls and and chats with a couple of clubs and I just thought the the Box Hill one, although – you know, it's a very it's a very big role because um, you, you're coaching your own side and you also have to do development at Hawthorne and particularly back in that time we had a seconds team as well. So you mm. you know you've got a massive list and and um, and and trying to serve a lot of people. 
Um, but I just thought it was it was a really good opportunity for me to to take that role um, and was luckily offered that role and went through the interview process and fortunate to get it. So, um, yeah, I arrived at the Hawks at a, at a pretty good time and special time um, in, in terms of what they were able to achieve. And, and obviously with Box Hill, we had some success as well. So in terms of your time with us at the Box Hill Hawks, 2011, 12 and 13, of course, in the senior coach's chair, now sitting here 10 years removed, what are the biggest learnings or lessons or fondest memories from your time with us? Yeah, I think uh, the fact that we had a group of players and, and uh, quite a few of them played in the, the premiership, Box Hill listed players, um, I'm probably referring to here from, from my time at Box Hill, uh, that had sort of reached their third, fourth year in the um, VFL system and to sort of watch those guys get some reward for that um, was was really pleasing. So guys such as David Mira, um, Murphy, Tobin, those players that, that sort of stuck through the journey um, and really found themselves as senior VFL players and then senior VFL premiership players, that's probably the highlight. And they were joined by a number of recruits around um, – you know, Sam Miles, who had great experience. Bryce Retzlaff played that year as well. Um, Mark Locke, who um, had, you know, just a, touched on uh, a couple of senior experiences at um, Gold Coast. But, you know, for him to come and play good VFL football and, and play in a premiership, um, that's probably the highlight, seeing them sort of work for something as a group and, and achieve that. Um, and we had a lot of younger players from the Hawks who... I had been working with and, and they were able to, to achieve that goal. And we had some really good experience as well in that time. So it was a, it was a, it was a really good um, conclusion to my coaching at Box Hill to finish with that last game in 2013 being that grand final and the win. Just sidestepping a tiny bit, you mentioned David Mirror there, an absolute favourite of mine. You know, when I first got to Box Hill yep. was the captain. And how special for you was it when he was eventually finally picked up and not only by anyone but Hawthorne? Mm. Obviously, you're involved in the Hawthorne setup at that time. You know, what was your takeaway? You obviously captained the premiership on the day yeah. and we'll touch on Pratty as yep. we go. But to see him make the step up, achieve that dream, be an AFL-listed player. Yeah, that was enormous because I'd actually taught David Mirror at Mazenod College. So back in year seven um, when he arrived and I remember he wasn't – that fond of being in the, the cross-country team or doing the hurdles, but um, I chase him around the school and, and try and get him involved. And, um, yeah, to watch him grow through that time at Masnod and, and make um, Vic Metro, I think I had started working at Gippsland Power by the time he was at Vic Metro, but I remember watching him down at Kidinia Park. And, um, you know, he, he just had a wonderful VFL career and just a great test of perseverance um, and an example for younger players who are trying to make AFL. Um, and whether you do or you don't, you know that you've given your best shot. And David was terrific in that um, part of prep preparing to, to play good VFL football and getting his body at AFL level. Um, and he was just so consistent. Uh, but also saw growth in him off field and his leadership skills and um, and you know we see the young man today where he is with his family and work mm. and so forth and the progression and it's no surprise that um, he's doing really well. Did you have anything to do with there's a little bit of a, a funny just a small story from 
um, his time obviously as a top up with Hawthorne playing intra club. So it was a legendary. <laughs> was it a fifty intra club oh, games? Yeah. I did. Uh, that, yeah, was I that did, you? I made a video because um, yeah, he he sat down for another intra club, and I thought, oh, this is a good opportunity um, because year after year he'd turn up as we'd pick four or five yep. Box Hill players, and um, yeah, I think we put a bit of music to it and a couple of highlights from his intra club. Um, games, but uh, he claims yeah. he's uh, the best intra club player of all time. <laughs> so yeah, he is good. He, he, he's probably going a bit harder than a lot of other people, <laughs> but uh, no, he was good. And 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 you know, he played some some good AFL football as well. Um, and and you need to recognise that. And it's probably just a bit unfortunate he came in as late as he did because then you're competing against people that you that they're looking at you thinking, um, you know, this this guy's got five years on, mm. on you. Do you keep playing him? And Hawthorne probably then went through a transition of, of not being able to win it but trying to build again. So, um, you know, he, he could have added more games, no doubt, as well. Absolutely. Um, so 13 is the culmination, not just of your time at Box Hill, but with the flag is sort of the perfect full stop, really. But 11 and 12, you sort of look at the record in, in isolation and they sort of – they read as okay years. Yeah. Finals in both years, but I think 11 was a 7 and 11 record. 12 was a 9 and 9. Yep. Uh, elimination final loss in 11. Um, elimination final win and a semi-final loss in yes. 12. It's an upward trajectory. Yeah. And it's clearly building to something. But how do you reflect on those first two years? Yeah, they were, um, they were interesting because Box Hill would – been fairly competitive the year before I got there um, but they also probably had a list that I thought um, they'd had a lot of older ex-AFL come back and play so I thought it was important whether we we're going to win it or not I just really wanted to keep the same group together um, and give them AFL opportunities and hopefully success would follow and um, 11 was a little bit frustrating in that we got to the elimination final and we played Werribee but unfortunately Hawthorne had qualified that well for the finals that um, the last game of the year was in the Gold Coast and the Hawks had decided to rest 12 players so they came <laughs> and apologised to me uh, and said uh, your first final um, is I think we had two rookie listed players for Hawthorne um, who played that day it might have even been one but um, the rest were Box Hill players but I loved that day um, in terms of giving guys an opportunity who um, had been unlucky. It's a hard system when you're not able to play um, VFL football and you probably deserve a game at times. Um, so we went to Werribee and I, I remember um, Paul Amy rang me and he said... Uh, the great man. Yeah, he said, I think it might have been two or three. He said, you've gone from two or three to one to you know, 75 to one <laughs> on the Thursday night as I was driving home. Um, but I, I actually thought we, we were still a, a chance and we um, we competed really well. It just got away from us late. But just younger bodies uh, maybe just... Yeah, I think so. I think we yeah, we kicked a little bit inaccurately, but we um, uh, in, late in that game that we had some chances to put real scoreboard pressure on. Um, but we had, you know, we had a... Yeah, we still had some experience. Adam Patterson was playing and he led really well. And, um, yeah, we competed well on the day. But, we, you know, it, it is a different game, a different season, especially in VFL when some teams have players out of AFL who are resting and it changes a little bit how strong your list is. And we were always confident that if we got there, we'd compete pretty well. And that's probably what happened in 12, um, albeit that the second final, um, you know, that one sat a little bit, 
uh, with us because we were up against Geelong mm. all day and we just unfortunately couldn't finish off the game well enough to, to win and credit to the Cats. But I, I think they probably came from, you know, 20 points down in that game um, in the last quarter. So I, I think I learned some good lessons as a coach and um, and the players did as well. Um, and to be honest, that that was the second last time we played the Cats. We played them in round three the next year and lost by five five points, I think it was. I think I saw that the other day. And Geelong hardly lost a game, mm. um, maybe two for the season and, and finished three games ahead of us. But before the game in 13, I actually um, went a little bit of a different tack than I, I I had some highlights from the 12 loss and the, the, the round um, three loss and, and just sort of played them um, because I knew we were close and we were able to compete with them. I wanted the boys to think we we were anyway. And, um, yeah, they, they they were terrific, obviously, on the day. But, um, yeah, we you know we really jumped out of the blocks well and, and they, were, they were so focused, our guys, that day. So it was good. So we're going to get to the match in in, in mm. due course and, and that's one of the talking points. The start was frenetic. Um, but at the end of 12, clearly disappointed. Yeah, but was yeah. what was there a sense of because thirteen? You think about nine and nine. What was it eleven and seven in eleven, uh, nine and nine in twelve? Yeah, and then it goes to thirteen and five. Like that—that that is a significant jump. Did yeah. you feel as though that was coming? Uh, you never really quite hope, sure. I suppose, don't you? Yeah, it, I mean, we, yeah, we we probably thought our VFL list was was getting stronger, and particularly. You know, again, as I said, Mira going into another year and, and Tobin and Murphy and, and, and we had really good um, 23rd player players. So even though we'll get to the grand final, picking the 23rd player, Ryan Exxon, was a challenge in itself because, you know, Sam Collins had played some really good footy and but he'd had glandular that year and probably just didn't time it well enough to get back. Mitch O'Donnell played the first two finals but there was a rule you couldn't play him in the next final. So um, there's probably... a a story to that in terms of our <laughs> communication to Geelong and seeing whether he could play, but they didn't let him. But it might have helped us with Ryan coming in as an outside player, as hard as it was for Mitch to miss out. But um, fortunately, got his flag. Yeah, yeah later he Mitch, did. Which was he good. did, which was which was great, and he deserved it. Um, but I, I thought our list was was quite strong, and we had targeted we targeted guys who were still, if they had come out of AFL, that they really had a passion to still want to get back into AFL. Um, and Praddy provided the next part of that, which was a leadership part. Um, so we were, we were reasonably confident. But I think we dropped maybe two of the first three games. Um, but then we just started to – we really built well. And, you know, coaching the VFL, there is an element, obviously, of having the depth from the AFL, um, who you get. And, you know, there, there's probably even – circumstances from the prelim the night before the grand Ooh. final, which helped us, which I can talk about later. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I suppose it's all, and it is to this day, isn't it? It's, it's, um, and you would see it with here at the saints, we see it at box Hill, those aligned programs where there are, as you said, what you get back from an AFL system, there's a, a bit of a puzzle to it. Yes. How does it fit? What does it mean? Goes out. You know, I think we, I was looking into our comings and goings, ins and outs. And I think last week we made two changes, but week on week we generally yeah. make five or six. Yep. And you think about that from a general broad f- football perspective and you go six or seven changes a week is a lot. Yeah. But that's just par for the course at VFL level, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. There was, I think the first year was 
somewhere near like seventy odd players played a senior game, um, and you know, astronomical. Thir- yeah, thirty. 30-odd from, from the Hawks had played, um, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it's 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 a difficult one, but um, it is the, the nature of the, the competition, obviously. Um, and, you know, as a VFL player, uh, you know, you, you've got to be adaptable. You've got to be able to play different positions. You've got to be ready to take the spot um, when it comes available. So you mentioned there maybe it just feels like it's a natural maturation of the, of the group itself and that evolution of the group and Hawthorne, getting right back into the window at AFL level, sort of all came together to form um, what ended up being a really good home and away season. Um, So 13 wins for the season. Uh, At the halfway point, you're eight and two, looking pretty good. Then we hit a bit of a banana peel. Losses to Willie Collingwood and the Bull Ants um, had the team in a bit of a spin, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I remember the Collingwood one, um, Beams kicked a... A couple of goals late. Grundy was just starting to yeah. come in, and um, I think he won the award. We're back in the the club rooms upstairs, and it was actually a really good game of football. Um, and it was it was sort of disappointing to lose because I think we we we'd sort of yeah, lost the previous week, or we were sort of struggling a little bit. Um, and definitely, I don't think we we would have thought from then on we'd be on our way. And mm. um, you know, and winning, but yeah, often yeah, I'm sure. Um, a lot of the listeners would 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 know that you you do learn um, your best lessons out of your defeats and the experiences you have, and I think I think we also started to get back a, a fair chunk of Hawthorne listed players um, who were hungry to play finals and you know obviously try and compete for a grand final spot at AFL level as well. So um, yeah, the side was was definitely hungry come September. So one of the teams obviously that that got our uh, the measure of seeing that little three-week run was Williamstown. Yes. And the previous year was actually the first time in, I think, nine attempts that Box Hill had beaten Willie. So Willie, traditionally very, very strong. Yeah. And they'd been um, sort of Box Hill's master there for four or five years. Um, having knocked them off in 12, w- w- at the time, was that a, did that feel like a big um, deal? It felt like a big deal in 12 because it was over, it was at Williamstown. Yes. Um, and... Yeah, Pratty had been knocked out, and there was there was a whole lot of emotion in that game. So, um, yeah, I think that was that was a big deal. But uh, to be honest, it probably didn't. It didn't later later on in the year when we sort of it probably got to the last game. And we sort of to work out well, we could actually get a home final here yep. against Williamstown. <laughs> <laughs> that um, you know that that, that really. Um, you know, again, one of those steps that you assisted us to to eventually win the win the grand final was was obviously um, yeah, it, Peter it German's sides are very hard to beat, and then coming to to play at Box Hill in a final is you know um, an advantage for us. A hundred and just because just going back through the records and even speaking to some people at the club um, who who shared time at the club with you, like a Johnny Ewer and, and those yeah. types, like Willie, it felt like it's a hurdle, it's a roadblock. Yeah. This is just the team that's in the way, and if if we're going to win the flag, we're going to have to beat them at some point. Yeah, and they'd had the measure, as I said, had the measure of Box Hill for four or five years. They'd won eight in a row. We'd gotten one back. They beat us in round twelve or, or whatever it was, partway through the year. Um, internally, was there a sense of we have to beat? We have to figure out a way to beat these guys. If we can't um, beat these guys, well. It's funny because those stats, I, I wouldn't have even known those at the time, I don't mm. think. So, <laughs> so um, I think every group's sort of hasn't, you know, like especially in VFL, hasn't got a massive 
historical mm. attachment to the previous um, four or five seasons, just on the way it works. But we knew, you know, they had they had been on this run, and, and they continued after that to be on this run of reaching preliminary finals. So we we knew they were a very good side. They had um, a strong alignment with the Bulldogs at that time, and um, yeah, that 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 first final. Um, was was probably, you know, on reflection where coming out of that where I thought, oh, we're, we're, we're a real chance here. Like I knew Geelong would, you know, their stats were, we haven't lost a third or fourth quarter for the second half of the year, you know. They, but if we could get there, we were, we were going to... It's just a one game, a chance, it's a yeah. one-off. And especially to know that I thought, um, I thought we had some good tools as well. And if you go to Port Melbourne in a prelim with, you know, some tools that can... Um, you know, compete like ahead of the ball, then I think you, you're a chance as well. So Retzlaff, Grimley, our resting ruck, um, you know, down there as well, sort of adds that element um, as well. It's a beautiful segue. So Port Melbourne, eight and two, goes to eight and five, desperately needing a win. There's a bit of a sliding doors moment that comes up where we play and when we play Port Melbourne. Do you remember yeah. what that is? Um, well, I... I think it's the moment that they changed the game to Box Hill, wasn't it? Yeah, they, so uh, we'd already played Port Melbourne. Might have been yep. round one, uh, maybe. It was yeah, at, we lost to them round it one. It was at Box Hill. Yep, yep. So eight and two is a really good spot to be in. Eight and five, you know, we, we need to get back on track here. Yeah. Port Melbourne, always a big game, always a tough game. And, and you're quite right. The game was shifted to Box Hill. Yep. Uh, I think uh, Northport was declared um, unplayable. And in the end, you squeak home by six points. Yes. And don't lose again. Yeah, well, that's – you'd like to think we would win it at Port, but <laughs> it would be a bit harder. Um, we actually – I think it was probably uh, – it was 11 or 12 when um, – uh, well, 12 they were on their massive mm. winning streak. I think that was a 12, was it? Or it was something, yeah. It was a, a, well, we nearly, we nearly knocked them off in the last game there. Um, and so we, we actually – Wherever, whether it was a final, even before I was there, there was a lot of close matches that um, we played against them that didn't really matter on the ladder mm. where you were. Um, they were always good battles. And, uh, yeah, thankfully we got the got the win that day. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, I, I probably didn't reflect out of that game that, you know, we, we were probably happy that it was at Box Hill. But, again, you sort of know you've got to go to Port Melbourne and yep. win in finals as well. So, um, yeah, obviously that's the, the quirky thing, isn't it, about the VFL? We sort yeah. of sometimes it does have. We do have that conversation in AFL about teams wanting to play more often at the MCG because yes. we're going to have to win a game at the MCG, an important game at some point. So it's interesting that your mindset was actually, yeah, look, this is a, it's a no. We, playing a box hill is good and it's yep. fallen our way this time, but we actually kind of want to. We actually do want to play at Northport. Yeah, well, I probably say that now. Yeah, ten years true. later. <laughs> But um, at the time, I probably I mean, my mum might have been going watering um, Port Northport, <laughs> making sure we played at Box Hill. But uh, but it was an interesting seventeen points down at half time. Yeah. So that's it's not it's not panic stations, but three goals down at half time in in you know really hotly contested matches. Mm. Certainly, rather be seventeen up than down. Get it back to seven to, uh, seven points at three quarter time, and then end up having a massive last quarter. You know, five goals to two. You run over the top of Port, win by fifteen points, and as we said, the the rest is history. The, yeah. the, the run starts. You know, can you remember your messaging during that game? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I, I just remember it was it because we were building, we had good support um, 
th- through the Hawks and Box Hill and Port Melbourne. Um, you know, I still obviously watch a lot of VFL footy and um, Sandringham played Port this year and there was there was hardly anyone there and it was just really disappointing to sort of mm. see that the competition probably coming out of COVID still struggling with that support of those two strong clubs, Sandringham yeah. and, and Port. But, um, yeah, I just remember that day probably, you know, a really good atmosphere, mm. finishing off strongly. Um, yeah, and, and probably... I think early in the day, um, even a bit of an incident with, with Sam Isles that sort of, you know, maybe reflected that we, we were going to stand up as a team and, and not be intimidated um, against some of their bigger bodies and bigger midfielders in particular. Um, so that was really pleasing as well. You're quite right, I suppose, VFL, um, as, as much as we love to hate the, the willies and the ports of the world, um, you know, strong, those strong standalone entities are ultimately great. Yeah, for the competition, you, for sure. You go out to particularly go out to Northport, and it's pretty hostile. You know, I've spoken to Damien Mercedi, obviously, who's who's still with us. Yeah, and, uh, he spent a good good few years at Port, and and just said, oh, like yeah, you'd, you'd play these home games against a Box Hill at the time. Willie, yes. obviously, great rivals. And he said, oh, the atmosphere was just phenomenal. Yeah, yes, for a game of VFL footy, he goes, it was just electrifying. Yeah, you could feel it's it is it's you know you sort of think the the younger players who aren't playing AFL um, and especially VFL listed, they, they deserve that as well. So mm. it's hopefully something we'll get back to. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so from there on, the team navigates the home and away season flawlessly. You beat Bendigo, you beat Essendon, Coburg and Casey. And it sets up that Willie qualifying final. Um, you mentioned they're coming out of the home and away series. What was the build up to that final sort of like internally? Yeah, we had, um, we'd sort of approached the finals with a, a bit of a theme um, around, you know, we've qualified for the Olympic swimming final, and yes. this is, you know, your eight teams becomes you know, four into into two into one, and um, so that that was sort of our theme. But you know, we we kept things pretty consistent. We had um, Xavier Ellis play the first final, um, and he played really well. But unfortunately, he he. Um, I think it might have been calf, unless it was hamstring, but he did an injury that didn't allow him to play for the rest of the year. So that was unfortunate for him. But we started to get massive buy-in um, throughout the season from guys who would, would have been disappointed they weren't playing AFL. So Michael Osborne, um, Matt Spanger was enormous, Kyle Cheney um, and Xavier Ellis, even though he didn't play in that premiership. So um, you really rely on those guys a lot because the younger Hawthorne players look up to how they're acting when they're at Box Hill. So it was significant, I think, that we were able to get um, leadership from guys like Pratty and Mira at Box Hill, but we had a really strong Hawthorne leadership um, group there who'd come down and we'd train the Friday night together every week and um, and then obviously, you know, play match day together. So, um, yeah, so they, they became really strong as a group. That, that, that particular year, I think, as well. And the quirky thing, it's a great story with a guy like Michael Osborne, of course, is he played in the club's first premiership yeah, that in was 2001 amazing. and then he, he's there in the club's second in, in 2013. Um, so that day, uh, Willie, three points up at three-quarter time. Yeah, I wouldn't have known that now, but I'm sure, you know, we knew it was going to be a battle. I think we ended up winning by about five or six goals. Yeah, but we five goals um, or won the game by five goals. Yeah. So the last the a... last quarter, it was still in the balance. What was it? What was it? Three-quarter time? So three-quarter time was three points up. Yeah. And then, yeah, ended up winning by five five goals. So. Yeah, we, we, we finished really strongly um, 
and 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 that that is one you, you know you can sort of picture the sun over city oval yes. and and the the teams humming along and and you, you you just feel good that you're you're getting a week off and you're um <laughs> you know you're into a prelim the prelim itself goes off without a hitch really yes. well, dis, um, uh, disrespect Werribee, but in the end a 52 point win in a prelim is about as as good as it gets really in terms of your, your comfort levels and it sets up a big showdown with Geelong and yeah I mean, the pre the prelim just on the yeah, prelim absolutely. so again it was it was a great like pretty pretty much a full house from memory at Northport um Hawthorne was 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 going really well in the in the finals um uh, ben Brown was playing well for Werribee, uh, and we just we started, we 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 sort of almost smacked him in the face early, and it, it just set the scene. So um, there was times when we got challenged, but we, um, you know, Langford in the midfield, Savage, um, these sort of players came out, kicked goals as midfielders, and and played really well. Um, and probably one story to that, unfortunately, was that. That was Tom Gordon's last game. Um, um, he he went out of the team for the grand final, um, just on numbers really. But he he did his job and is a part of that that team as well um, and that squad. So um, yeah, I think you know they're 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 the they're the guys you sort of really feel for in the journey. But at the same time, you you got to make those decisions obviously as coach to to sort of um, think what is going to get you the end result. I suppose the big decision in grand final week itself was was Pratty. You know, I've Pratty was to, massive. Yeah, right? I've spoken to David Mirror in the past. We had him on the podcast last year, and, and he was really, really keen to stress that um, whilst he was captain on the day, and the yeah. photo shows him lif- lifting the cup. Yes, um, that Daniel Pratt was the captain of the yep. football club. He was really, really keen to stress that, that. Look, that's I'm in the photo. Yeah, but Pratty's the captain. Yeah, absolutely. That was as a coach. I would think that would be the hardest thing I had to do is tell him. And, and he um, he just got back for maybe one and a half, two games in the reserves. So he was physically declared right to play. And he, you know, he certainly, um, you know, he wanted to emphasise that. So I, I, I told him early in the week he wouldn't be playing, um, which is hard. But he also, you know, then we met up at a... Uh, is it called Red, the cafe? It up is, on the, hill? the Red Cup. Yeah, so we were the Red Cup. So we met up at the cafe at the top of Box Hill there. And, um, and you know, he pleaded his case. And, it, you know, he had a lot of lot of really good points around, you know, how much it would mean to him, probably as compared to even maybe a younger player on an AFL list, um, you know. But, yeah, you've got to take the emotion out of it, obviously, as well. Um, was it just a, a, just your concern was just, just the body? Was oh, it, just it was a little bit, but just around the balance of the yeah. team. Um, you know, our back line was very settled um, and it was fairly stocked with, like, Litherland, um, Wanganine, mm. Mira, um, Cheney, Taylor, um, Spanger, um, and, I, and, I, and I've probably missed one there, but it was it was very hard to, to sort of shuffle others around in the, those those positions. Um but he, you know, he carried himself so well, and I'm sure, you know, even to this day, there's some angst on it. He actually 
got me an absolute ripper after the grand final. I was driving back to the club and he rang me on the mobile and he said, look, I I just can't come to the celebrations. I'm just, you know, I just don't feel a part of it. I'm just not. And I said, oh, I started getting a bit emotional. You know, mate, you've got to come. And he said, oh, only joking. What are you talking about? Of course I'll be there. Um, but I, I did actually, I gave him my medal straight away because, you know, like he, he did deserve it. He helped cultivate the the group and the culture. He's working a little bit. Um, with this at Hawthorne, so sort of a day a week he'd come in and so he sort of helped with the relationships between the, the boys as well. Um, helped our backline coach Brad um, quite a lot too. So, well, Was it a decision that you made in isolation as senior coach or did you consult with the broader match committee? Um, I think I probably, yeah, I probably consulted but I think, it, you know, it was my decision because um, it's very hard for the, the Box Hill coaches were um, – employed by Box Hill and I was with Hawthorne. Um, Cameron Bruce would help on match day as well. But, you know, they didn't know which players we would have available, who was back, um, all those sort of things. So, yeah, I, I, know, I know it was one that I sort of ticked off. I suppose ultimately as a senior coach, it's like delivering the message, owning the message. Yeah. such an important decision. It's sort of one that you have to own, doesn't it? But um, I Yeah, I think and trying to communicate it the right way is never easy, but I think... You know, even as I said, to sort of share a, a cup of coffee and and sort of um, let him talk as well was was important. Um, so ultimately, the match itself, Geelong, um, huge rivalry at the time. Yeah, you know, Geelong and and Hawthorne, Cats and and Hawks, and as you mentioned, you alluded to earlier, Hawthorne had beaten Geelong uh, two nights prior in a in a pretty classic prelim final um, yep. to book their place in the AFL Grand Final the following week. What sort of impact did that have, that result? Yeah, it did have a massive impact. I've, I've mentioned this to a few people, but I think, um, unfortunately, Brendan Whitecross did his knee. Yeah. And so on the, ne- the next morning or the day of the game, um, I, th- I thought it was a Saturday into a Sunday, but obviously it was a Friday. So next, the Saturday, you're sort of waiting for that call to sort of have someone get taken out of your team because, you know, there's a big game next week. But... The Hawks, um, so Chris Fagan was sort of the, the point of contact between those conversations um, and he he rang me and he said, we've decided to play, we've decided that everyone is to play and you can have these seven players play about 70% game time, give or take. And what that did was it just meant then that seven players thought they were a chance to play in the grand final because if you take one out and then suddenly, you know, you deflate as much as it's great to play with a VFL grand final, there's those guys on the borderline that have missed an opportunity to play in the AFL grand final mm. in their eyes because they've already made the selection decision. Um, and it also flags, you know, to Fremantle who's going to play sort of thing. But uh, we were able to massage that time pretty well and not overcook them because it was six days into an AFL grand final. But, um, you know, you know the, all of those players contributed really well. Um, Jonathan Simpkin obviously got the, the call up the next week. Um, but I, I think that, that decision was, was pretty critical in the mindset of a lot of the players, to be honest. Um, I suppose for Geelong, you mentioned they, they had two losses for the home and away season. Uh, they, the back-to-backs, um, 13-point losses to Collingwood and Casey. And apart from that, um, the five-point win over Box Hill was as close as they came to defeat throughout yeah. the course of the year. You mentioned um, the match against them in 12, the match against them in round three or five or whatever it was here. Yeah. Um, 
running them so close, despite their dominance, despite how good they were, how strong they were, how heartening was it to sort of go, no, nah, we're actually – we're not looking at this as though we've played them earlier in the year, they did us by eight goals. Yeah. We're looking at going, no, nah, we're actually close. Yeah, we thought we thought that, and that was the message that we were, we were selling to the, the group. Um, and even the fact that the five-point – I think we were going inside 50 in that, that – mm. that, and it was down at uh, Geelong. So um, – yeah, we we knew they had uh, they had a, a, a good um, level of experience VFL players as well, but they, um, you know, we 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 sort of thought similar to us that they were probably um, they'd had a, a series of guys who were on the periphery of AFL, um, and then <laughs> they're not two nights yeah. before they lose the that so they can't play in the AFL Grand Finals. So that sort of helps us, but yeah, it was just one of those ones where we knew. Um, we had to get ourselves right for the game, um, but that we we had been close on the last two occasions, so we were we were certainly confident enough. I, I looked at this and I thought this can't be true. The Geelong averaged one hundred and twenty-seven points four. Yeah, well, they and you just think that's scarcely believable. Yeah, we we some of the stats were were, were pretty <laughs> pretty damning to look at in terms of just the raw number. Yeah, the raw number, but. Um, I think I'd been told they had hadn't lost the third or fourth quarter in the second half of the year. So um, all of those things sort of sit in your mind, even when you come out and start as well as we did. But then at halftime, you're 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 only a goal or two up because um, they've fought themselves back into the the contest. But yeah, it was it was certainly um, they they were very strong. They were well coached by Matty Knights, but. Yeah, you know, once you're there, anything can happen, can't it? And then the, the the mental um, side of the game is massive, and and we certainly had a lot to play for individually um, and collectively, like they did. But also, um, you know, I think we were we were ready for that challenge, and and particularly the start we got gave us a lot of confidence. Well, you, you mentioned the start; it's a beautiful segue. Um, your boys had put three on the board in about four minutes. You kicked seven for the quarter. Was all out attack? Was it was that part of the plan, or was it just how no. it played out? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I, I don't know if many teams would kick seven for a quarter all year, to be honest. But um, yeah, I think yeah, I think we just we just we just certainly came out, you know, and everything we touched sort of turned to gold. Really, like we, you know, uh, kicking goals in the run, Ruckman, Grimley, and and Loud, and sort of you know rolling them through from from angles. Um, and then the game sort of settles into, you know, a, a real contest. But uh, yeah, I think I think that, and and then probably, you know, jumping ahead to the third, we were just phenomenal. I thought we'd shot ourselves in the foot with how many goals we were missing, but to it was keep them three six, I think in the third. Yeah, that would be right to pretty much nothing. But mm. um, uh, you know, well, I think we'd build a thirty point lead by the the time um, three quarter time came around, but. You know, we and and then to get the first and the last that sort of made it, um, you know, hard for Geelong and and um, I never sort of settled easy upstairs as the other coaches would say. Uh, they they probably got a bit jovial a bit early. I thought, well, well, <laughs> and maybe it. our runner did as well. He <laughs> copped a bit of a serve to the oh, bench that, to name try names, to names, name names. Oh well, Jonathan Bents, he he um, he was more the runner for Springvale, and he. He'd gone a bit early? He'd gone a bit early. There was a, a little saying, you know, at Springvale and we won some premierships, um, you know, get your dancing shoes on, which was 
sort of when the game was over yep. and I sort of heard it come through the headphones. So I, I blasted him as much to sort of keep the box on edge but also um, the bench on edge because, uh, <laughs> to be honest, they they kicked the last couple of goals and got back to 21 points. I'd, we were, we'd sort of had a rough estimate of time back then in VFL but you didn't know exactly how long oh, to go. Oh, you didn't have the live I didn't have the clock. live countdown but we had um, Tess who would do the, the time for us and we – we sort of uh, predicted, you know, from her that it was was coming. But um, you know, even to when they're going inside fifty and Maddie Spanger marks, it's, yeah. a, it's a relief when that siren goes. So even while I was um, covering twenty eighteen, uh, the, the Box Hill Premiership, and um, oh, yeah. I was at Eddie Had, and we we're up in the box, and it's so funny because uh, it ended up being a ten point win mm. and a and a really interesting game in the sense that Box Hill looked just white knuckling, hanging on. Yes, Dylan Moore kicks a phenomenal goal on half time. Yep, gives us a bit of an interest. The boys rally and are able to come home um, over the top of Casey, but kick it a half up sort of thing. And where we were sitting in the up in the media box was basically right in uh, behind the timekeeper. Oh yeah, yeah. So I remember sitting there. And I, I don't know if we were there in the first half, maybe, but this incredibly frenetic winner take all grand final. You're a kick it a bit up, and I remember thinking. There's actually no tension for us because we know we've won. There's, yeah. there's there's 50 seconds left and we had the ball, whatever it was. And I remember yes. turning to uh, Gabby, who was helping us out on the day, and just thinking, yeah. I don't know which way I prefer. The, yeah. the elation <laughs> when the siren goes, not knowing when yeah, it's going to come. Or, um, <laughs> we're, we're, I think we're sort of the only Box Hill representatives in the ground at the moment who, at this point in time, know no, that we're going to win yeah. the flag. Yeah, it was a cracking game, um, that one. What was the... Message at quarter time. Your seven goals. Uh, you're, you're, I think I think Geelong maybe four goals ish. Yeah, yeah. But I think um, yeah. It's funny. The I think the ABC sort of. I, I have heard the, a bit of the three quarter time because the, th- the three quarter time. I almost started laughing with <laughs> um, Kyle Cheney and Taylor Jaray. They used to make me laugh. Just the they'd stand in front as I was coaching, and they're really intense. But they. Yeah, it was, it was just some of their mannerisms, and I think like in, Taylor as Jure, in they knew what they were doing. Yeah, they knew what they. Oh no, they 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 were they were terrific. To you know, you knew you had their attention. Their attention, yeah. but um, I think in the three quarter time one that Taylor sort of might have uh, went a bit longer with the sort of you know yeah yeah boys or whatever or something something as <laughs> simple like that when I was then going to continue on talking. But um, we got a bit of, yeah we sort of smiled at each other there even though the cameras were were on, but. Oh, I think quarter time was just it was it was always just reset and knuckle down and we know they're coming again and um you know play your role and and um yeah just keep playing with passion and spirit um so yeah I think I think we we knew Geelong at that time was was really strong with their transition and run and and carry so um we just we just had to just to, to stay with them and pressure every possession really and cut their time and space Sounds like a similar thing then to your concerns um, in the last quarter, I suppose. But in the in the second quarter, Geelong come out and they really ratchet the yeah. tempo and the pressure up. Um, they get the margin back to three points. Josh Walker's kicked four for the half. Yeah. Um, but a steadier just before the break, I think it's ten points. Yeah. Box Hill's advantage yep. at half time. What was your thought process knowing that that would come? Yeah. And then they do come, and then you're sort of going, okay. Yeah. Right. I think it was pretty positive in that. And I didn't have those stats about their second halves floating away in my head at the time. But I think just the fact that you're in the game and, you know, I know when a team has been expected to win for a period of time, maybe even the last two weeks, and they're in their minds they've been, oh, yeah, we're, we we should be right, we'll win, you know. But then at halftime and even kicking that last goal before the half, you're 10 points up, there's 
doubts start to, to come in. The longer you keep the game alive, exactly, isn't it? Exactly. So the, the you know the the greater that that went on, um, I'm sure it was them a bit of a wrestle in terms of staying in the present, and this wasn't meant to happen um, to us type of thing. But yeah, it was just full credit to the the players. They, they were enormous that day. The third quarter you touched on briefly just before, obviously David Parkin coined it the Premiership quarter. In this case, it's it's the 30 minutes of football for the entire season that ultimately wins us the Premiership because you keep the Cats to a single point. You yeah. kick three goals, six, I think, from memory. But as good as the attacking stuff was, the defensive stuff was flawless. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, yeah, I think just just getting back to help um, at times was, was, was really good. Um, you know, and... and some of the efforts. I think even Jordan Kelly, he was probably the other defender, the young defender. Um, a couple of his hard efforts. Um, you know, Gus Litherland running back to to sort of touch the ball on the line um, a couple of times. That mightn't have even been in the third, but yeah, those those things stick with you. Um, Derek Wanganin had had been a forward, and we'd put him halfway through the year as a defender, and his ability to to, to defend but then run and create from there as well. And then, you, as I said, you had Cheney, Mira, um, Spanger, those sort of guys as well. It was a, it was a massive – isn't it? Well, it was handy. a strong, strong defence for sure. Um, you know, guys who played some good uh, um, AFL football but they're back playing VFL. I think there's still five of them running around now even. I think, I think we've mentioned John Segler as well mm. on the ruck. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then with the last quarter, the Cats win the last quarter, like you said, 33 points, the first goal, the last sort of not comfortable. You don't, mm. don't want to go that Osmond. far. But From memory, Michael absolutely. Uh, snap kick. Absolutely. He was excited about it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier um, spraying the rudder going a bit too soon. Was there, was there a stage where you sort of allowed yourself to think we yeah, won the game? I think, I think – And I only asked because I remember nah. talking to Donald McDonald about 2001 yeah. and – a, a similar sort of thing where Werribee were the hot favourites, the, the standout team on for the year. Box Hill get the fast start. It's eerily similar games in some ways. Yeah, okay. but he he remembers he remembers saying he was really tense because of how good Werribee had been all year, and even though the margin was, and how good they were in '98. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And they won the semi by seventy points. But this is it. Sorry, Donald, so, if you <laughs> get this podcast, the old Springy Boys. Uh, he would but, have been worried then. <laughs> but exactly. But he's, he said, I think he said that it was David Parkin who was in the box with him that mm. year. And he'd he'd um, uh, retired the year before at Carlton. Yeah. And Parko at some point in the last quarter, I think it might have been the 15-minute mark or whatever, basically just said, congratulations, boys, of, you know, well done. <laughs> and, he, and he sort of went, it was like a light switch. Yeah. He'd gone from, he was game day mode, dialed in intense yeah, yeah, to, yeah. oh, really? Yeah. And Parker goes, yeah, well done, boy. We're going we're to win the match. Did you have uh, a moment like that where you just went, mm. I, all right? I was so proud of the group that day. Um, it was definitely my favourite day of coaching. Um, and it's always easier when things are going well. So we didn't have to structurally move things around. But um, I think there was a little bit, maybe five minutes out, we were still probably 30 points where I thought this is it's going to be very hard for them to win. And I, I, I would have, yeah, started to get a sense of um, enjoyment, relief, um, you know, emotion in that time. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think I did try to coach it out um, 
Yeah, because I suppose I've always thought like we expect that from the players. So um, the least we can do as coaches <laughs> be is be hypocritical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we put the feet up. Yeah, um, and I suppose the aftermath of winning winning the flag it's it's what you play footy for. It's what you coach footy for. What do you recall about the immediate aftermath of either the celebrations mm. or the vibe? And then I suppose as a flow on from that, how special was it to be a part of a li- an alignment which would ultimately do the double? Yeah, no, that was a massive week. Um, it was, yeah, it was it was pure joy. We we had a great core group of um, you know Box Hill people, um, with our players who um, hadn't played that day, helpers, um, just a you know team managers. There's just statisticians. We had a massive group of statisticians that were behind us um, that Rod Cameron led his group, and you know to sort of do it for them. So initially, I think it's the the players and the club and the and the people that that you just want to want to get around and and the rooms were buzzing and we had a great night um it was hard because we had those seven players who were on 70 percent had to, yeah. <laughs> to drink coke yeah. coca-cola and um but um you know paul barnard organized this this nice feed and we reflected interviews with every player um great celebration um players kicked on myself and a couple of the staff went to like another Another place on the the way home. I think it was just like the Burvale Pokies was the only <laughs> oh, no. place open in a, <laughs> on a Sunday morning at about I don't know two or three o'clock or whatever it was. But just to enjoy it with with those people and a couple of who who um, like our runner and and Chris Monaghan who was our re- recruiting yeah, um, Oppo Scout who had I'd known him from Springvale days and then and then and and for me also to try to bring your family in it. But coaching Box Hill. Um, and I, and I, I've sort of knew that that was going to be my last game. I couldn't sustain working, um, you know, being there at seven in the morning for Hawthorne and then, you know, my kids, uh, Heath was, um, coming up to sort of six. No, he was, no, he wasn't, he was only four and Eliza not two, but, you know, you sort of sometimes, um, you know, not seeing them much because you say goodbye in the morning or they might not be up and then you're going straight to Box Hill training and then you come home and they're in bed asleep and you kiss them on the head. It's not it's not a good feeling out of that. Um, you know, that, that that would happen a couple of times a week and, um, you know, and, and so I knew in my heart that I couldn't keep going with that sort of um, schedule. So, yeah, to be able to sort of share it with them and then yeah, people who had been on your journey of playing and coaching um, your family is, is something very special, I think, as well. So, Do you know or have any <clears throat> sort of oversight on, on how many of the, the Box Hill sort of people knew that it was going to be your last go around? Uh, I don't think anyone because, to be honest, if <laughs> if I didn't have another job in footy <laughs> coming up, I probably would have would have taken it. But I, I went overseas on a study trip and I um, I sort of penned a, an email to Fags around, um, you know, that, that this was the time and, and would we think about having a head of academy role um, that sort of worked in with those guys and, and probably a bit more AFL match day stuff. And, um, yeah, they – so in, in a sense created the role myself, but it was luckily pre-footy spending cap um, COVID that, <laughs> that you could um, maybe have more of an opportunity to grow that. So, um, yeah, that, that was the next step. So the, the thing that's sort of lost in all this, you know, the, the, how special it was to do the VFL-AFL Premiership double was that the Dev Boys, oh, yeah. how heartbreaking is this? It's a one-point golden yeah. point. Yeah, that was that – was, It would have done the, the treble. Yeah, yeah. And a credit to 
Kevin Collins, um, <clears throat> you know, for for um, and and Tony Pinwell sort of brought Kev back to the club. Uh, Tony was president, brought Kev back to the club, um, and and he he was he was a good sounding board for me because like sometimes you can't you shouldn't agree on everything as well, and he could mm. challenge me with different things. And but he but he ultimately would always. Um, do what I wanted at development level and, and not play for the win. But obviously when you're in a grand final, you play for the win and we wanted him to. And, um, yeah, I remember sitting in the stands. Uh, that was the day before the granny, um, I think, unless it was the week before. No, it was the week before, mm. I think. It was when we played Werribee. Um, the day before we played Werribee was that grand final. And, you know, it, they didn't blow the siren, but for five, six minutes, the ball was just getting so close at both ends to scoring a point. And um, yeah, obviously Williamstown got got the win, but um, yeah, there's, there was a there was a boy uh, Matt North who played in the same situation the year before in the TAC Cup Grand Final okay. for Gippsland Power. So twice in two years he'd had a um, Golden Point Grand Final. So that's a good story. So the Dev boys come up short against Willie, obviously in yep. that Golden Point extra time. And the worst thing is it would happen again two years later. They lose another Dev mm. Grand Final to Willie on Golden Point. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's amazing, oh, isn't it? frustrating. Yeah. So I suppose wrapping it all up, 2013, your three years with Box Hill, you know, what does your time at Box Hill mean to you now? Yeah, it's I'm very grateful for the, the, the time I had there, the relationships, not just the players, but you put in so much time with your staff, your assistant coaches, Paddy Hill, um, you know, Josh Humbler, Dave Madigan, um, Brad Julian, you know, those, those guys work so hard for you outside their normal roles and um, and jobs and day-to-day stuff. So you expect a lot from them. And, um, yeah, I was just really grateful for the opportunity to coach a VFL side and to be Box Hill. Um, I still f- follow them closely, um, see the good work on social oh, media that you guys don't. do. I know, leading the VFL um, in that regard. But um, in terms of... Yeah, the and, and living in Vermont, Vermont South, um, being close enough, obviously not being able to get to games with the footy commitments, but um, it's just a, a really great time to look back on um, in something we built and hopefully has sort of in some way continued on um, to today with, with how successful they've been and, and also, um, you know, their sort of model of performance and relationship with Hawthorne. Absolutely, I think, and, and guys like you know, I mentioned when I first got to the club, David Mirror, and he'd sort of been there from ten, I think, maybe was his first, maybe maybe yep. eleven, but it came was, through yep. as a very young boy and, and played Dev, and and he was there in in eighteen, obviously as well, um, won the the Norm Goss Medal for best on ground, but his influence is still felt through the club now because of yeah, a Stu Horner who was a young player when you know Miz was sort of coming to the end of his time as a Box Hill player. Um, and there's that thread that exists from when you coached us, you know, Newey, obviously, um, uh, Max Bello, yep, Mark, Max. Maxi Bailey, um, you know, obviously, you know, Proc last year, Mitch the year before, and obviously at the moment, Zane, there is that thread still, even though those guys haven't been at the club now for such a long time, mm-hmm. that the influence that they had on the culture and um, is still keenly felt, I think, which is a testament to, A, what you were able to build as coach and instill in the leaders and what they were then able to pass on, um, you know, throughout their time with us. So, yeah, thanks. And it was a whole club project and it started from the um, the president down really in the committee and I know Ed's still yes. 
doing a great job there. So yeah, it was it, it was pretty special and and one I think we'd, we'll all look back on, um, uh, you know, in time and and, and realise what a great time it was. Well, we don't have to wait too long to look back on it because we're doing it on Saturday. Yes. So um, you, you'll come down, which will be great to see, and a few of the boys will be down there, which will be excellent. And uh, I can't thank you enough, uh, DC, for having a chat about your time with us and about 2013. Um, we'll no see you on Saturday. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much, mate. Great job. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed listening to that chat as much as I did. Uh, having it with Damien Carroll, a special thanks, of course, to DC for being so generous uh, with his time. Uh, it was really wonderful to have the opportunity to sit down with him and chat all things 2013 and, and his stint with the Box Hill Hawks. Uh, as I said off the top of the show, it's a big one this Saturday afternoon. The third-place Hawks host the ladder leading an undefeated Brisbane Lions at Box Hill City Oval. It all gets underway from midday. Uh, gates will open at 10.30 and we'd love to see as many people there as possible. Uh, again, thank you for listening in. Thank you to Budget Car and Truck Rental for their continued support. And we look forward to bringing you another episode very, very soon. We're a happy team at Hill, where the mighty fighting